This week, many of our topics have a common theme. How do you put a plan together to run a sustainable company? I mean, this podcast is called Startup to Last, so I guess it makes sense for us to talk about that from time to time. All right, let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. All right, what's going on, Rick? I'm excited to announce that I am canceling my CRM subscription. It's finally renewal time, so I can stop paying for a service I don't like. So I love hearing uh, people hating about hating other CRMs. You're not using less annoying CRM. Let's get that out there. So so tell me about it. Let let the uh, hatred flow through me, please. Just little things like annual contract. Uh, getting like I had to add one user for. Uh, in addition to me, for two months, and I get charged for a full year, and it's ridiculous. Massive uh, amount of money, like six hundred dollars. Let me pause it real quick. Let me pause it real quick. So many people do this annual payment, and it's like they don't even think about the possibility of like interns or anything like that. So I, I pay monthly for everything, just because like if you have one intern, it completely negates all the savings of annual. If if it was a, if monthly was an option with these guys, I would. Do monthly, they but it was annual. Force this is annual. copper that you were using. Yes, gotcha. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go go ahead. Um, the the thing that really like bothered me though with them was they would append data and update fields like picture and uh, social media profiles that weren't inaccurate, and you had no way of disabling that. And I complained about it. I complained about it, and they're like, "Sorry, nope." Huh. I find that comforting because I'm always. There's all this like newfangled tech out there that I think like pe- people it's people want it to be table stakes. Like if you're not doing machine learning or if you're not using these integrations to automatically pull down people's data, like like you're not keeping up. But yeah, I feel like it never delivers on the promise. Well, listen, it's it's one thing to have it available and for users to opt into and say, hey, like, let, what data do you have available on this record that you could, you know, append for me um, and let me supervise that. But then just like to have it be automatically on and then I log in and I see a picture of someone else when I'm looking at when I'm talking to someone, it's not them. I know who this person is. It's not <laughs> the person that you've put on the profile. There's no way for me to delete the picture. That's so wild. I have to upload. I feel like guilty having a wrong picture of someone there's something like mentally challenging when you're talking to someone on one screen, seeing the, the wrong picture of them on your record, on your internal systems, on the other, and you can't delete the picture. So you have to upload a fake, another fake picture to get rid of the old picture. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just so happy to be at a year and be done with them. So what are you doing instead? I am unsure. So part of me wants to just go straight spreadsheets uh, and kind of build this on top of Airtable. I think mm. that that's probably a bad idea, at least for now. So I probably will go with a monthly subscription to PipeDrive. PipeDrive, yeah. I haven't. I'll be curious. Have you have you already tried it out? I went with Copper over PipeDrive last time, so okay. uh, it was a foolish decision. I think they definitely feel like of all of our competitors, they're like the next big thing. Or I guess at this point, they already are the the big thing. But um, they started around the same time as us and they seem to be the best option aside from obviously less annoying CRM, CRM. which is really the best option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, uh, my plan is to go with pipe drive. Yeah. The main reason being that they integrate with a lot of the other tools that I want to implement and they have a Zapier integration. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Um, I'm happy to tell you other things. What else do you want to know? Well, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to add. Honestly, I'm like really... So people, uh, both customers and I don't know, just other people in our community sometimes ask me about CRMs and I really don't know anything about CRMs. I only know about <laughs> our products. <laughs> and that's a good place to be. I mean, I, I think you guys have done a good job of, you know, at the end of the day, you're just being less annoying. As long as you deliver on that, you're good. You don't really need to know what the other competition is doing. Yeah, it worries me a little bit because, okay, so like we have perfect clarity on what features our customers want, like just based on them telling us where it's not like when we build a new thing, we're like wondering, oh man, are they going to want this thing? Like we have a lot, a lot, a lot of feedback, but I do worry in the back of my mind that 
I'm going to wake up one day and there's going to be some like big trend that we just totally missed because we were ignoring the rest of the industry that our customers didn't tell us about. Mm. And we're just going to be like so far behind at that point. Yeah. So I guess your worry is uh, the competition figures something out that is less annoying and you could have taken that and implemented it too. But I mean, that's pretty low probability. And if you really cared about that, you would just once a year go do a week's worth of you know, competitive research. Yeah. And I figure our customers, it's not like our customer base is set in stone. Like we keep getting new people and every time we get someone, they evaluate the alternative. So I, in the past it's worked out fine. Cause they'll, if, if there's something new, they'll tell us like, this is going to sound stupid, but pipe drive has this like Kanban view for their pipelines. Whereas we have a list view and definitely customers come in and they're like, well, pipe drive has the Kanban view. Why don't you, uh, so I have to assume if there's like an important thing, we'll hear about it that way. I like the Kanban view. I I, I would have poo-pooed that in the past, but I get why people ask for that. I think it's, we're planning on adding it at some point, but it's good for a very like workflow heavy pipeline. I think it's bad for a really like uh, custom field heavy flow where it's like people aren't really changing statuses, but you're filling out lots of information about them. I don't think it, uh, Kanban's good for that. Anyway, <laughs> it's a little in the weeds. Yep. What's um, up with you? Yeah, so one thing I want to talk about is your the conversation we had about simplifying your business um, last week inspired me a little bit, not to necessarily question anything, but just even if you're happy with what you're doing, I think it's helpful to like revisit every once in a while. Like, is there anything I could cut out? Um, so I was thinking about the like less annoying business project, and for people who don't remember, back in I don't know, was it March or something? I took like a week long sprint to just like ship this content site called less annoying business. It's basically my personal blog mixed with a newsletter and the idea it was going to be like a marketing thing. Um, okay. So I decided to kind of reevaluate that a little bit and I shouldn't say reevaluate, but just look at it and be like, where am I spending my time? Do I feel good about where I'm spending my time? Where you have traction. Yeah. Yeah. That type of thing. Yep. Um, I, I would say generally I don't have much traction at all, which is fine. I expected this to be a really like slow burn type of thing. Mm -hmm. But with the blog, so one of the inspirations behind Less Knowing Business was back in the early days of Less Knowing CRM, like in 2009 and 2010, I wrote a lot of blog posts. And then I basically completely stopped because it didn't seem to work. But like now, those old 10-year-old blog posts are actually getting a meaningful amount of traffic. And I'm like, man, if I had just kept blogging, I'd have something here. But I what I'm questioning is, is that true with a newsletter? Is it with a newsletter, are you creating the same type of asset that you are with the blog post? Because right now I'm like writing blog posts, but then I'm also writing a weekly newsletter. And if I just didn't have the newsletter part of it and I only had the blog post part, it would save quite a bit of time. Totally. I agree. Um, so anyway, I just thought maybe we could talk through if the newsletter fits with my my goals and my strategy and stuff. What do you think? I think I I think my conclusion at the end of this will be that I need to keep doing it, but it's like more on the fringe. And here's why, yeah. why do you think you need to keep doing it? Well, here's why. Um the the idea without it is the blog traffic valuable. Like if let's say I build up blog traffic, but if I don't have some way of capturing it, I'm not going to like immediately convert someone who reads a blog post on less knowing business to become a CRM customer. So if I don't have some sort of drip nurturing thing, what's the point of getting the traffic in the first place? Fair enough. The downside is I don't really have that. I've got 160 subscribers, which if if I'd gotten that by like gradually bit by Wait, bit. How many do you have? Like 160. That's really good for the short amount of time you've been doing. It sounds good. And if, if at the beginning you told me that, I'd be like, that sounds great. But the way I got them will sound less good, which is I just, we sent an email out to our customer, less annoying serum customers. And like, I got almost all of these people came in at the very beginning. And now I'm getting like maybe one sign up a week, if that, which is something, but uh, it's different from like, if it had been compounding and slowly ramping up and I was at that point right now, I'd feel a lot better about it. How much time are you spending on the newsletter? Um, yeah, I don't know, like 30 minutes per a week, it's not a week. Yeah. Yeah. That seems totally worth it. Yeah. I, th here's the other thing is I'm, I'm not sure it's good. Like I think far too often people look at their goals and they're like, how do I get my goal? And they, they don't like ask themselves, like, does the world need this thing? 
Hmm. And I kind of read my newsletter, and I, I, I like my blog posts a lot more than I like my newsletter. Well, maybe, maybe your newsletter is not a newsletter, but simply, hey, here are the new posts for the week. Yeah. So that's one of the things I was toying with is just like putting it on autopilot. Um, that that might make it even less valuable. I, like I already share the new posts for the week. What I'm trying to do is like also have something in the newsletter that you can't get anywhere else as sort of like a reason to to join the newsletter. But it's I don't know. I don't know if the, it's any good. This this the other playing devil's advocate, the the, the newsletter doesn't matter unless you have traffic. Right. And so right now what you are potentially like you could just have a subscribe for the newsletter and never send a newsletter. Right. And uh-huh. you'd be capturing people. And then maybe you send a newsletter once a month or once a year with, with some thoughts or whenever you feel like it. Um, and then, so you stop this weekly cadence thing and then you focus exclusively on driving traffic. And once you start driving traffic, then you can worry about, okay, how good is my offer? But at the end of the day, people will give you their email address but based on the 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 form offer you have, not what you're actually doing on a weekly or monthly basis. Right, they haven't seen it at the time that they subscribe. Yes, it seems to me that what you're doing on the newsletter side, you should take that time and reinvest it into getting more traffic. Okay, uh, I, I like the idea of going to a monthly thing instead of a. I, I don't like the idea of never sending it because I do think people go stale, and then I've whatever. Like, there's no momentum at that point. Um, you don't have enough to worry about, though. Like, at the end of the day, and this this matters to you because there'll be millions of visitors to the site at the top of the funnel, and that's when you worry about you know getting stale people. Sure. Okay. So I, I let me rephrase. I think there's an argument for getting rid of the newsletter entirely and just re-adding it if traffic gets good. Um, I don't like this. I don't like the middle step of like I still have the sign up for it, but I'm I'm kind of neglecting the newsletter you don't like bait and switch yeah yeah and just putting out bad stuff and yeah over promising under delivering but i think a monthly thing it would cut down on the i don't think it would take much longer to do one per month than it does like than what my weekly one right now takes as far as traffic goes i mean are you getting which do you have an idea of like traffic to subscriber rate <sighs> um I haven't looked at that recently. I mean, I, I don't have a ton of traffic is the to, reality here. At the end of the day, like it feels like you could just take the newsletter away and say, hey, I'm pausing the newsletter for a while, guys. I'll let you know when it's back up. Um, and then you just focus on getting traffic. And then once you have traffic, <laughs> meaningful traffic, where 1% of that mean, is meaningful enough for you to have a newsletter, then you bring the newsletter back. Yeah. Okay. I th- that, that resonates. I do question if I have uh, the the appetite for actually going and getting traffic also like I like, uh, I like writing. And I think if I do it period, like gradually over time, I, I it's never going to be a huge site. I'm not delusional about that, but well, here's the reality. If I didn't need, if, if marketing were just figured out for lessening CRM, I would have this as my personal blog. I would, I would be very happy that I put the investment in to build it because I've wanted a place to write. I have a place to write now. But I would just write when I want to and have absolutely no schedule. Okay. So maybe that's what you need to be doing then. The thing is, marketing's not figured out for listening okay. Um it, It's tough, though. It, this is like this roller coaster I've gone through for like years. Is So the last six months have been awesome. Like we, I, I would have been happy with, uh, I would have been okay with 10% year-over-year growth. I would have been happy with 12. We're at 19. So like whenever this happens, and this is just like random luck mostly, I think. Whenever this happens, I'm like, oh, great. I'm not going to do all that shit that I don't like doing. And then I lose all my, my momentum. And then, the, the you know, this cycle goes downward. And then I'm like, oh, man, I wish I was still doing all that marketing stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you, it seems like you have multiple reasons to do this site, which is good. I can talk to you about why I do the newsletter. and Maybe that'll help you a little bit. Um, I think I do it for very different reasons. Yeah. Um, my newsletter is the forcing function for producing content and doing some research every week. Um, and it, it, by having that commitment to a small number of subscribers that grows occasionally, um, it makes me like wake up most days of the week and go, am I on track with my right, my personal writing and learning goals? And that is, it's, it serves that purpose. I'm constantly iterating it to kind of, you know, figure out what's working, what's taking too much time, what's the trade-off. And I find I, I get better at it um, on a monthly basis. I'm just constantly getting 
it's getting easier um, and more fulfilling and still serving that, but it always is still serving that core purpose of, Hey, I'm, I, I, I want to keep getting better, keep learning. And I want to write about it. Yeah. I have a little bit of that in that, like I, so I like the writing process. Like my three of my last five posts have been about freemium and it's not like I'm some kind of expert on freemium that needs to share it with the world, but like I'm thinking through freemium for my own business and writing it and especially writing it for a public audience forces you to like really think it through and be like, this isn't, this can't be crap because if I put crap out there, it's going to make people, it's going to make me look bad. Yes. So I do think it's helpful for that. Totally. Yeah. At the very least. Right. And then you add in, okay, by making it public, it turns into this beacon that like-minded people might find you, you, it could be cool relationships that come from it. And then third on top of that, you know, I think, and that's the, this is where maybe you're a little bit different than me is this could be a big marketing channel for less annoying CRM. Um, but until you have traffic, like lots of traffic, number three is sort of off the table. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I think I, I can build up to some traffic without putting in the work. I don't think I can like get it to a point where it's like big traffic if, unless I'm, you know, really spending time. And again, right now I don't feel the need to because growth is good, but I'm going to regret saying that in six months. Not if you continue to put out the content that you're putting out. My experience with the quality of content that you're putting out on a regular basis, because I've read every single newsletter you've put out and I've, I haven't read all of the articles, but I've skimmed all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's good content. And if you do that regularly over a period of time and you do some basic SEO stuff, it will rank and it will start getting traffic. It just is a matter of time. Yeah. All right. I appreciate the uh, vote of confidence. So I think what I'm probably going to do is, yeah. I will just say that if that's not happening, uh, let's do a, a shadow call and let's take a look at what you're doing on uh, on webmaster tools and uh, search console. Yeah. It's, well, it's not, but I, it's also still relatively early. Like, it's been about say, a little less than six months. And I mean, in a sense, that's a long time. But my experience with this stuff is it takes even longer than that to build up. Um, if it doesn't start building up at some point, though, the content is not the problem here. I think my on-site SEO is fine. Like, I, yeah. I have put in the, you know, like, is the site performing well? Like, I, I use Ahrefs. It gives me a good site score. I look at keywords, stuff like that. Um I'm not doing any of the offsite SEO stuff where you like go do link building and stuff like that, but neither are you and it seems to be working for you. So. But you've got like links from less annoying CRM coming in, right? Uh, some, not yeah, at not least one. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, have you, have you set up like some third party sites? Like does your LinkedIn profile link to your less annoying business.com account? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't use LinkedIn really. My Twitter okay. profile does. <laughs> I, I mean, you, what you might consider is just going for maybe 10 or so high profile sites and just throwing up a link back just to signal to, yeah. uh, to Google. That's Especially fair. since you're trying to rank um, for Tyler King on the about page. Yeah. So if you just took that about page and threw it up on all of your social media accounts with some, with some, with Tyler King as the uh, anchor text, that'd be something to do in the short term. That's okay. really low cost. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Okay, not so your topic I, though. I think what I'm going to do is switch to a monthly cadence for the newsletter because because it just doesn't matter right now. The audience it's it's already people who are in my audience anyway. It's like mostly current customers. The quality will be fine. That's so I'll do that. That'll be a lot easier. I'll keep writing. I'll I'll maybe invest a little more in on-site SEO. Well, I guess what you're suggesting is off-site, but so, mm. stuff I control, um, and just wait for a while longer and revisit this periodically. Yeah. But it does seem like you could do less newsletters. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not getting it, what you want out of that, like, st- like do it less. Okay. I like that. Uh, all right. Back to you. Um, well, update from last week. I really, that was, I listened to the conversation twice. Um, it was one of those where it was like, man, I don't know how valuable this is to a listener, but it was super <laughs> valuable to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so sorry for people who had just like, who, who, sat through that and, you know, sorry if it wasn't great content, but it was really, really helpful for me. Um, I gained, I, I came away and after sleeping on it and listened to it a couple of times and, and working on sort of my vision for leg up health, I came away with some massive clarity. So, um, my, my big thing is I, 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 t- I created a one pager that outlined what I want the business to be and the business plan on how to get there. So, by definition, when you try to keep something to one page, it has to be simple. 
but mm-hmm. I have so much clarity on what I want to build and why and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, anyway, I'm, I'm not going to read it, but the, the the sustainability piece to go with simplicity was was such a big important thing. I, I want to read my three core values that I came away with, um, and uh, because because I, that that part of the conversation with calm was really enlightening to me. Cool. I don't want to build and, a calm business. Yeah. So that as a reminder for people from last week, we started out saying, how do you build a calm business? And then came to the conclusion, calm is kind of boring. What you want is sustainable, but mm-hmm. like fun and exciting. Yeah. The balance between chaos and like, yeah. and, and, and uh, complete like serenity. So, <laughs> um, all right. So the, va- so, so I have a company overview. If anyone wants to see this, I'm happy to share it with you. Just email me. Um, but I, this is based on a framework I used at my last company. It has a purpose, vision, values, and three-year plan, and it fits in one page and there's a lot of white space. Um, the values though is what came out of the conversation. I have a lot of clarity on, um, the first, so, so I, I write here, leg up help team members are fully empowered to use the following guidelines to make decisions for themselves. The first value is clients first. Um, and the explanation here is we always do what, whatever would make the client happiest as long as it's not against the law or outrageous. Um, and this is like, I think gets into our secret sauce in terms of why we're different than <laughs> other agents out there. And this is the simple thing that we do that makes us better. Um, simplicity uh, is the second value. We keep things simple and only add complexity if it helps us better serve our clients. And and this was a big takeaway from the simple front, which is we only add complexity if it's going to help us put our clients first. Yeah, um, which are marketplace users, the, the marketplace people. Um, and then third, sustainability is the third core value. We push hard during seasonal open enrollments and give ourselves time to recover and enjoy personal passions during the off season. That captures what I want to build with like a health. In a lot of ways, it's taking the good that I loved about people keep and Zane benefits and just getting rid of the bad, um, mm-hmm. namely like never taking time to refuel, uh, outside of the big pushes. Um, and then I've, I've built up a three-year plan, which is real simple. Uh, uh, and then I've got a vision, but, um, the, you know, the clarified purpose, which is gets back to the simplicity of what a client is, is leg up health exists to help Utahns find use and manage their marketplace health insurance. Um, and helping Utah marketplace consumers is our first goal. Profit is our second goal. Nice. I, I like a lot about that. Uh, two things I want to call out. One, I think uh, getting getting clarity on who your customers are, that's something like almost any business benefits from. Um, like, I think a lot of freemium has been on my mind because I've been writing about it. A lot of businesses go wrong because they forget that the free, the free users aren't their customers. Or if you're serving like enterprise and small business, like, you know, those, those two might be in uh, conflict with one another. Or if you're a two-sided marketplace, like Uber, your drivers versus your passengers, like who are you here to serve? I think is a really good question for everyone to ask themselves. Um, also, do you listen to the Art of Product podcast? Mm-mm, I don't. They had someone from Stripe on, uh, and she said that kind of ran through a bunch of Stripe's like uh, kind of core values or whatever. I don't, like they kind of have a notebook of, I don't know, insights about what Stripe is. And one of my, one of the things I thought was interesting, I could be getting this wrong, but I believe they said it's uh, customers, company, employees in that order, which makes sense. I think like that, like most businesses operate the way like employees are last on that list. Um, but not very many businesses say that out loud. And I kind of admire that they, they say that. So it's like, if there's a trade-off between what's best for the company and what's best for an employee, like it's written here, <laughs> what, what we should be doing and no one should be surprised. And you kind of, what, what did you say again, uh, is your order? Um, it's actually clients, uh, employees, company, employees, company, which, yeah. which is fine too. I yeah. don't think it's not about like what's right, but I think it's, it's really interesting to actually lay those out. And it's, I could be more explicit with that probably. And, and sort of a footnote, um, but yeah, that's that's the 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 implied order is uh, clients first, then simplicity for the I guess simplicity, which is really for I guess you could say the company, and then sustainability. I'd probably put sustainability before simplicity. Yeah, which I mean, those aren't those don't exactly map directly to like mm-hmm. employees versus clients, but you you definitely did a customer first thing, mm-hmm. which one hundred percent. Yeah. Which honestly, that's the easy one, kind of. Um, but I, I think it's interesting to think through, like when there's 
trade-offs. I've actually sometimes thought it's it's employees first. Uh, is it Jeff Bezos? Some some famous business thought leader kind of says, no, it's employees first because the way you serve your customers is by making your employees happy. Yep. Um, anyway, interesting. Cool. Well, I'm glad to hear you've got some clarity there. Yeah. So now I've got a basically the rest of this month is I'm going to eliminate the freemium service. I'm going to eliminate leg up benefits. Existing customers will continue to be served until they either want to cancel or switch to the referral service we talked about. Mm -hmm. And that's for the employers. And then I've got to update the marketing website and onboarding flow to support uh, the marketplace focus. If you want to, I don't know if you're worried about your, uh, like a benefits customer, like your two customers getting at all pissed about this. You could just stop charging them. Right, like the amount of money is meaningless at this point, isn't it? The way I've the decision I've made is it's low cost enough to where it's like nothing changes unless they want it to. Yeah, that's and fair. If they want it if they want to switch to the free service, they can do that anytime. Um, I guess I should probably give them that option and just say, hey, we're like benefits isn't going to be available for new customers. We sh- you know we've created a new service that's a, a much less premium service than mm-hmm. like benefits. Um, but, but feel free to, if you would prefer to use that and stop paying us, you're welcome to, if you want to continue to use, we're going to, we're going to continue to offer the service to you until yeah. you decide you don't want it. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Cool. What else on your, on your end? Anyway, I thank you for that. That was yeah. really helpful. <laughs> I feel really good about the direction and i I feel like I'm really close to being off to the races with growth. Great. Um, so next up on my list, this is something, uh, from two weeks ago, uh, someone emailed me just asking for a little clarification on something that I said on the podcast. So I, I kind of said, uh, basically what our long-term product roadmap is and that it led to, you know, we've just as a very quick summary, we kind of broke the business into three decades. Like it's, if it's, if my career is 30 years, the first decades already happened. That was build a single product bootstrapped company. The second year is build a bundle or the second decade. And then the third decade is like create a new product category, like a much, much more ambitious idea. And I said, the product, the the product bundle that we want to build is um, basically contacts or CRM, calendar, tasks, messaging, and notes. And so someone just kind of wrote in and asked like, hey, how did you come up with those? And you know, like what's the process for approaching this and stuff like that. So I thought maybe we could talk about this a little bit. Love to. Um, We need to make sure I'm not just rambling here. So please feel free to interrupt and Mm -hmm. challenge and all that. (laughs) One thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, so so the the core question, this was asked by Martin. um, He said, like, how did you choose those five features? Um, I'm not, I don't validate stuff as much as a lot of people do. And I've come up with an excuse for why that's okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I don't like to. But I think an important thing here, have you ever thought in terms of like market risk versus execution risk? In terms of what? Just like when you're starting a business, there may be other types of risk too. Yes, those two um, risks. Yes, market yeah. risk and execution risk. Market um, risk being things outside of your control, execution risk being things inside your control. Right. And I think different founders have different like skill sets or at this point, Yes, I'm the founder, but there's 20 of us. So it's like our whole company has like DNA, right? Um, I think we're good at execution risk things and not necessarily market risk things. So it, when we started a CRM, like I didn't need to validate, like, is there a market out there for CRM, right? Like there is. The question is, can you make a better one than everyone else? And I don't think there's any way to validate that from asking people, like from from customer interviews. What, what do you think about that? Like, could I have gone out and validated whether or not less annoying CRM would work? You pro- I think you did while you were at Zane Benefits because when we were building the CRM platform for agents, you saw the pain and the, the willingness <laughs> to pay. So you didn't have to, but you probably would have otherwise needed to otherwise. Okay, good point. But I, I guess maybe I should rephrase. The way you validate an execution risk idea, which generally means like there's already an established market there's proven demand. It's just, can you be better? Can you build a better mousetrap? The way you validate it is you build the mousetrap, I think. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, you could say, what are the, you could dive in and say, what are the requirements for this? Do I, do I have the, what is the confidence in my ability to do this, do the things necessary to, to achieve the outcome? And 
like for example, me building a CRM, <laughs> that'd be hard because I don't know how very, I'm not a very good programmer. So I think there is some ana- quick analysis, but it's not, it's very low cost. Yeah. It's not, it's not like the, the deep customer research that you read about all the time on indie hackers. And I mean, stuff. the nice thing about like, to, when you have to validate a market, you have to go out and say, I like, for example, leg health. I did Google searches for insurance agents. I didn't find much on Utah marketplace health insurance. Like there's not a whole lot out there. Mm-hmm. When I call people, they're like, I don't really want to help you. Um, so there, what the question going in for me was, was there a market for this? I had to confirm that people were willing to make people, you know, their agents one that they were willing and two, that they were able to, to do that. And the insurance companies would allow it. So right. there wasn't anyone doing what I was doing the way I was doing it. So I had to go validate that. You didn't have to do that with CRMs. Right. Exactly. There's, it's, it doesn't mean it's easier. There's a whole different type of challenge, but that's the execution risk thing. So I say that to say like all these, these five things we want to have as kind of a bundle at the end of this, they're all intentionally execution risk ideas. Basically saying, so again, there's the three decades. The third decade is create a new market category. That's the one where we're going to try to get, we're going to try to change consumer behavior. It's like way more ambitious. It'll probably never happen. Like the second decade has to go really well for us to, I, I don't think a smallish bootstrap company can do that or should, should do that, like create a new market category. So the question is, can we get to a 50 or hundred person company and then have the resources like, like a venture backed company would. So anyway, for this decade, we picked five things we know people are already buying, our current customers are already buying, and all we have to do is build a better mousetrap. So that was one of the filters we looked through. Um, the other one was, I don't know if I've used this like analogy on the podcast before or not, but uh, if you kind of think of all of the opportunity out there as an ocean, and then the things you currently have is like an island on the ocean. So for example, we have a CRM. So like you can kind of draw borders around like the CRM part of the ocean. Uh, I made a big mistake in the past that you knew was a mistake and you criticized, which was I tried to launch this product called Sparse. Sparse was going to be this messaging task tool. I want to be clear, by the way, I still intend on building it. That's what that third decade is going to be if things go according to plan. But the, the mistake I made was I built this whole new product on its separate island. I'd already built a good island of less annoying CRM, and I just tried to build a totally different one, and it didn't take advantage of any of what we already had going on for us. If that analogy makes sense, I don't know if it is. <laughs> so with when we were doing this da- uh, like brainstorming about what do we want for this decade, for this product bundle, we said, what are where- ways where we can expand the shores of our island rather than building a new island and then trying to build a bridge to it? Um, so this is just goes back to the, the core concept here is every entrepreneur should be asking themselves, what's my unfair advantage and less annoying CRM's number one unfair advantage right now is we have 25,000 users who for the most part love us. And it was stupid to try and build a product that wasn't leveraging the 25,000 people we've already got. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, (laughs) I know you, you were, you were on that train. Stupid is probably the wrong word, but it was highly aspirational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, what you're choosing is the lower risk path. Right. Which it's kind of, you know, Rob Walling has that stair step thing. This is a bigger, his is like, how do you stair step to that bootstrap SaaS company? This is like, what are the next steps after that? If you want to go after something as ambitious as a venture backed company, I think this this product bundle expand the island is, uh, to me, the next step before go off and do that really ambitious thing. Especially on a bootstrap basis, like you could go pursue a sparse type thing today, but you would need capital. You would need mm-hmm. to be able to spend a lot of money. Um, the uh, what you're saying is, in order to do this on a bootstrap basis, I'm gonna have to take one a lot longer time to get there, and two, I'm gonna have to build some serious assets that I can leverage um, that that sort of replace the capital require that, that f- feed the capital requirements in a different way. Yeah, yeah, feed it with revenue instead mm-hmm. of financing brand equity all the you know all, all the things you need yeah and so that island that sparse was going to be we still have our eyes set on that but our goal is to subsume that island by expanding our current one rather than by by building a new one so that's maybe a little abstract but those two things market risk versus execution risk and then like leveraging the, our unfair advantage uh those really informed how we figured out what are we going to build next with our features 
Anyway, I've talked a lot here, but <laughs> I think it's great. So, was there another aspect to that, or feel do you feel good about like that being being the answer to his question? Um, well, and then yeah, I, I took some notes here just because man, podcasting's hard. Every time you start talking about something, you like forget what you were going to say, don't you? <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you you answered why you chose those five features. Was there another yeah. part to the question? Yeah. So the, also like, what's the process for actually building them? Um, this goes That's interesting. Back- because yeah. that's, that's a lot. You mentioned five different features. Mm-hmm. Um, are you like there's there's one approach where it's let's let's move forward, sort of push the perimeter out of the island on all fronts mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, or do you do you go after one and push all the way out? Yes, and even and there's another dimension I would say which I've like in the past when I thought about this I was like oh well let's build messaging and like launch it. And even if it's built into less knowing CRM, we'll have this big announcement like, Hey, we built messaging. The way we're planning on approaching it this time is like my like litmus test for, are we doing this right? Is if customers can tell any of this is happening, we did it wrong. I want it to be such a gradual change that they wake up one, like my absolute dream. If I can give you my, my product, if I, if I can retire and say, this is true, I'll feel good about it. I want a customer to wake up one day and realize they, they previously used Outlook, realize they haven't logged into Outlook in like months and not really know why. And then when they think about it, they're like, oh, because Less Annoying Serum is doing everything I need. I don't want them to think, oh, I'm, I'm uninstalling Outlook because Less Annoying Serum just launched their Outlook competitor. The, the, the company that this brings to mind is Front. Like when Front mm. first started, it was basically a super help desk, but now... I, I'm switching to front for leg up health and I will never log into Gmail again because of front. Um, yeah. and, but they weren't that way five years ago. Right. Absolutely. Um, so how, how do we apply this? We're trying to take all the things we currently have in less knowing CRM and like iterate them very gradually to, to have these other things. So just like to give an example, this is going to be a little in the weeds, but like I want to build an appointment scheduler. I've talked about it all the time on this podcast listeners are thinking you're never going to, you've been talking about it for too long. Uh, but like, here's like a way to do it. We already have a calendar. We don't have like free busy times on the calendar. Like you, you, you can put events on and that marks you as busy, but like, you can't say, here's my work schedule. I start at nine. I end at five. That'd be a nice feature to have just like generally for a team calendar. We also don't like send ICS invites out. That's like the file attachment in the email because when people are adding each other like on a team to the calendar, like they all share a calendar. They don't really need RSVP stuff, but we could add that. We could add an integration with Zoom and Google Meet so that the location can be auto-filled with that stuff. All of these things are going to look like improvements to our calendar. And then one day you're going to wake up and realize, oh, we just built Calendly. So that's kind of the, that's just like a specific example of this, but we're trying to think how can we add little things to what we already have such that it just feels like we're making our product better. And it, again, consumes the island of this other feature rather than founding that island as a standalone thing. I like it. Cool. Makes sense to me. I, I mean, I like the strategy a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it because uh, I've tried so many times to, in the past, do bigger things. And it's when you've got something that's working, it's so hard to justify diverting resources rather than every incremental change to less knowing CRM makes us money right now. Totally. And if, if you do that consistently over a long enough period of time, you can take those additional features and package them and say, oh, we've had this whole new product in addition to CRM. But, yeah. And that's cool. Versus saying, hey, we have this product, let's launch an MVP um, and mm-hmm. and uh, have it be a distraction. You're going, hey, let's just make our CRM better until it's, it also is an appointment scheduler. Yeah. Now, two final things I want to address. One is one ridic- uh, 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 immediately related to what you just said. With Sparse, the idea was not for Sparse to be a separate thing from Less Knowing Serum. The idea was for them to converge. We were going to build Sparse. It was even going to be called a separate thing, but the idea was like, over time, they'll grow towards each other. But that that's like maybe uh, trying to achieve the same outcome, but in a different way, which I now don't like. The second thing is a, t- a tough thing here. Our customers do not want us to stop being what we are, right? And that's a really hard thing is the, and this is, I, I'm planning on writing some blog posts about this because I've been thinking a lot about this is like, how do you 
deal with the fact that you have to keep changing. Like 30 years from now, if we're just what we are now, we're not going to have any customers. But how do you compete and innovate while still staying true to the commitments you've made to current customers? And there's not an easy answer, but I'm hoping that this gradual iteration thing is, is one way to help with that. Yeah. And, and what you're not accounting for in the gradual iteration is some massive innovation that you can't even fathom right now that is like the internet that changes your plans completely. But that's mm-hmm. how, that's how life is. You can't, we don't know that there's an, if there's an asteroid coming for the earth that we haven't seen yet, that's going to blow it up in 10 years. We don't know it's coming. Like it's right. going to surprise us. It's hard to plan for it. But yeah. yeah, that's a good point. There are so many CRMs that prior to Salesforce, they were huge, they dominated and they just didn't make the shift to the SaaS model fast enough, and they're all goners now. So I think maybe one thing to add to your planning process then in this situation is looking up and going, are there any existential Mm. SaaS threats um, on the horizon that we need to be uh, leaping across? That's a a fascinating topic. Uh, I realize there's like maybe specific ones to us, but just like general... SaaS technology, like the internet obviously was not specific to CRM. Do you, what do you think is on your list for that? I mean, I want it, I want cryptocurrency to be uh, that, but I don't understand it well enough to, <laughs> to, to be able to say that with any confidence. Um, the other one would be the AI stuff is really interesting, mm-hmm. um, especially when you see some of the applications. Like there's a really cool, I, I included this in my newsletter this week at the, as a kind of a, an Easter egg, but um, Google has this auto draw uh, thing where you go in and you just like scribble uh, something, you know, Yeah, you I, I tested it out. I saw that link. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like, holy crap, like it really does tell what you want to do and it makes a nice little drawing for you. That's just one little example, but when you start stacking that on top of other things, it gets pretty interesting. Yeah, so I think you need, so if you listen to people, I think like AI, crypto, um, sometimes you see like virtual reality, although I think, like enthusiasm for that is waning a little bit right now. And then self-driving cars, although, I mean, that's built into AI, obviously, but I feel like, I don't know if that that relates to SaaS. I feel like those are four of the kind of common like tectonic shifts that could be coming. Mm -hmm. I've avoided AI thus far because I think like, I'm not an expert on it, but I think the, like there are a lot of companies trying to apply it to CRMs and it either doesn't work or it only works for really, really big companies. Cause like, the way AI works right now is you need a giant data set to like, you know, uh, what's the word? Train it against. Mm-hmm. Our customers have like 50 contacts. I I have trouble imagining it working for them, but I could maybe, I, maybe have my head buried in the sand on that one. There's, there's something, there's some, probably some version years from now, decades from now of the auto draw uh, for <laughs> your customers where uh, the, they're, I mean, the idea of a sales rep's job being automated by a bot is pretty interesting and pretty yeah. threatening to a CRM. That's a that's a great point. And that's yeah. actually, I didn't mention this earlier, but what our customers expect is for us to move more into sales and marketing. But I actually think a CRM sits between sales and marketing and internal team collaboration. We definitely want to move more. Not We don't want to abandon any of the space we've already occupied. But all of the movement is towards collaboration and stuff like that, rather than email marketing, sales automation, that type of stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you get too specialized, that's where AI can come get you. But if it's cross-functional collaboration, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's like the last thing AI, AI will tackle. Yeah. At the point that AI tackles that, no, no humans have jobs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we've probably beaten this topic to death, but thanks for uh, humoring me there. It was a fun one to beat. <laughs> uh, the the um the other thing I'm working on this week, and I I just you probably don't have to deal with this kind of stuff, but because I'm in a regulated space, I have an annual uh, or semi or biannual licensing and certification requirement. So I'm working through that this week. I have to take 24 hours of continue education. Hmm. I'm usually pretty good at going at doing it in less than 24 hours because it's online, but it's a doozy, man. Do you like learn anything from this or is this really just, you have to check the box? It's, it's a good refresher. Um, it's usually a reminder of things that maybe I'm not, that aren't top of mind or because I have an accident and life license. Most of the stuff that's, I don't know a ton about life insurance, but the life insurance stuff is 
hmm. is educational. But for the most part, it's pretty like, oh man, do I really have to? And the questions are worded so so weirdly that it's kind of like taking a really bad end of year test from school where there's like three right answers. Probably not a bad, you're right that I'm not in a regulated industry, so I don't have to do this, but we, we have parallels, which is like, we kind of think, you know, when a new employee starts, we train them on stuff. They forget everything. Not just, just humans. If you're not doing it regularly, or even if you are. So there is this kind of idea of continuing education. How do you do it internally for your team members? Uh, how do we give customer demos? How does like IT security work? For some of these things, I just send email reminders out to people. For some of them, we do like a speaker series once a year, but it is an interesting topic. It is. And uh, I hadn't thought about that. There's there's industry continuing you know, education, but then there's also company-specific continuing education. I hadn't really considered that, but that makes total sense. I could see that actually if you... if if Leg Up Health grows in the direction of like you have basically you're a technology tool to enable agents that you employ. Super agents. Super agents. That like, yes, the software needs to be good, but may, doing some something like continuing education, but better than what the state requires could be potentially a really nice differentiator for you. Yep, I agree. Hmm. Uh, cool. The other thing I, I just I wanted to give you a shout out. Um, I'm reading a book by Oliver Berkman that just came out today called 4,000 Weeks. Um Got through a lot of it this morning in my morning reading time with my coffee. Uh, but it, it's about how short life is. Um, it's 4,000 weeks. Uh, that's what that comes oh, from. Oh, yikes. Don't that's say 80, that. That assumes you're eight, you live to be 80 years old. Um, so, but but the, I want to read a quote. Um, it's irrational to feel troubled by an overwhelming to-do list. You'll do what you can. You won't do what you can't. And the tyrannical inner voice insisting that you must do everything is simply mistaken. I admire your ability to have this mindset. I feel like you're really good at understanding that what is pretty easy to predict, like will happen, but when it's going to get done, you sort of leave towards, eh, you know, it's going to happen when it happens, which is indicative of the three decade plan. You're not creating deadlines uh, that, that create anxiety for your team. You're actually creating so much space that um, it's really special. So uh, I I just, I wish, I think I've gotten better at this from talking to you since we're doing the podcast, but this is something that the, the is core to the book in terms of um, there's only so much you can do in an hour, in a day, in a year, in a life. And uh, anyway, I, I admire that about you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Although there's, there's the other side of it too, right? Which is, we, we talk about this all the time that you and I are, Sometimes we're trying to meet in the middle from two opposite ends of the spectrum that you do move faster if you allow yourself to stress out a little bit. Not not if you let it get to the point of burnout or whatever, but like, I think there's an argument for having more urgency than I do. Yeah. And, and my, 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 my point here is less about urgency and more about focus in mm. that uh, I think you're pretty comfortable not being able to take advantage of everything um, and, and making the... De decision to say no to just about everything so that you can have one or two things that you really care about. And I think that's very core to the startup to last mentality we talk about on this podcast, but um, I sometimes want to have it at all. Like for example, yeah. leg up health and leg up benefits. Um, I, and I think you're pretty good at saying, you know what? I know I can't have it all mm. and I'm going to strategically choose not to have it all so that I don't create uh you know, un unrealistic, realistic expectations. Gotcha. Um, and, and so anyway, I, uh, I thought of you when I read that this morning. Cool. And I, I appreciate to that. You. One, one more little, uh, response to that. I, I had like, I don't know. Do, do you feel like you're getting, uh, like feeling old? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm feeling it more, obviously we're all getting older every day, but I'm feeling it more right now than, you know, what did I you, have did at your no, it's not even physical exactly. I mean, I guess it is in terms of energy levels and stuff, but uh, just like I, I found myself last weekend spending a lot of time thinking about how I was going to landscape my yard. You know, it's just you, like, you why the fuck do I care about this? I mean, you were talking about pulling weeds a few episodes yeah. ago. So yeah, that was like new. The, things, the things that I enjoy in life, like five years ago, even three years ago, I would have looked at myself and been like, wow, you're just extremely lame. Mm -hmm. And I recently had a, 
I, I was like, man, should I have done more? Should, was it dumb to move back to St. Louis from San Francisco? Should I gone to a different city? Should I be traveling more this or that? Like, then I wouldn't be old. But then I was like, you know what? I'd still be the same number of days would have passed. They would have passed either way. And I found that kind of oddly comforting. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if that makes any sense, but... No, it does. That was my little reflection recently. No, I get it. Um, part of what I'm trying to take from this concept is just being okay doing less and doing mm-hmm. more of that less. And it's hard. It's hard. And being okay with that. Well, especially now, I mean, you've got a kid. I yeah. assume that must change this... Quite a bit, I would think. It creates a pretty powerful forcing function um, because when I'm not with him, I'm when I'm doing anything other than being with him, I'm not with him. And mm. there is something that's a huge, there's a huge opportunity cost with that that I didn't anticipate I would feel. Does it take pressure off? Because something I'm always like, you see a lot of uh, people in our circles, like, you know, not VC type founders, but bootstrapped. And they're like, oh, the, the point of all of this was, I work four day, four hours a day. So I, like every minute my kids are home, I'm spending time with them. And I'm almost jealous. I, I don't particularly like kids. I'm not like jealous of that aspect of it, but I'm jealous of the fact that it's like, wow, that takes a lot of pressure off the business results. If all you need to do is free up time to hang out with your family. Mm-hmm. Have you felt that? Yeah, I would say it's not that simple. There's this, and I don't know what the right amount is of time. There's some minimum amount of time you want to spend, but then there's also the will desire to provide opportunity, um, mm. like go to wash you go to Duke, you know, um, you know, these things that are expensive that take capital to provide. And it's like, if I'm not working, you know, there's only so much you can provide unless you're, you've made it. Um, and so there's this trade-off between time with, and then the ability to provide that is a balance that, uh, I think it's probably like anything else. There's, there's, you, you get your bang for your buck in some percentage of the time that isn't a hundred percent. And then it's probably better to, you know, be spending your time elsewhere. I'm interested to hear if that changes as you have made it more, like you obviously could go get a job and get paid plenty that like, it's not like you're financially insecure, but your business is not yet providing the money you need like for Mm long-term. I wonder if when it does, if, if this will shift for you at all. It'll be interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, we're really touching on those uh, the startup to last concept in this episode, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what? But one thing I want to call out when I shared my my one pager in purpose, I've taken a ton of the big change from you know when I first started this business and and today is I've taken a lot of pressure off the business. The business is now it's it's I'm creating something I want to create. It if the marketplace goes away, the business goes away. And it's like, hey, like, let's go do this. And until as long as it needs to be done, I've proven it that that it works economically. And as long as people want to help me do it, let's go do it. If not, I'll go do something else. That's like you were you didn't use the term that I'm Zen, but you you kind of said you admire me for being Zen in a certain way. Mm-hmm. This is a different type of Zen that I like. I would be so stressed out being in a market that a like you said could go away or just regulations could change. Like. There's so much stuff outside of your control. Uh, oh, it it would stress. It did stress me out. I did work in that industry with you. And, wow, it, and it, it has stressed me out. And but this mindset, it's a it, half of the battle's mindset. And so I feel really good about where I am. So yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Anything else you want to cover today? No, we've probably rambled enough here. <laughs> the podcast is going to turn into our rambling. Yeah, our rambling. We should just call it the ramblings. Let's talk about your kids some more. <laughs> if you uh, if you like to review past topics and show notes, visit startlast.com. I'll see you next week, Tyler. See ya.